0: listening to the official podcast of Oasis Community Church, where everybody's welcome, nobody's perfect, and anything's possible. If you'd like to learn more about Oasis, request prayer, or get in touch with a pastor, visit our website at oasischurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. Doubtless, you've uh, heard the old adage or saying uh, imitation is the highest form of flattery. Do you know that one? And so um, I thought about doing various forms of imitation today, like playing Simon Says or kind of doing something, I don't know, maybe a little silly. But then I thought, that's not exactly what we're trying to say when we say imitation is the highest form of flattery. Uh, Do you know the, the, the childhood game, like the copycat game, right? So one person says something, the other person says it again. Like one person says something, the other person says it again. Which I think almost inevitably ends in tears right, (laughs) and fighting because one kid just won't let it go. They don't know when to stop. Like We say imitation is the highest form of flattery. We are not talking about the copycat game. That is not what we're saying. And really we're not talking about impersonations either. Impersonations can be fun, but impersonations are often just trying to be funny, right? They're trying like a caricature. They're trying to point out some kind of exaggerated point. But the phrase, at the, at the heart of it, imitation is the highest form of flattery, is talking about a different form of imitation. It's that, that kind of imitation where we so love and we so admire someone that we find ourselves kind of modeling ourselves after them. That down to the very way uh, they speak, to the way they dress, to the vocabulary they use, right, And we find, you know, ourselves kind of picking up that vocabulary, kind of picking up that posture, picking up that disposition. So a number of years ago, there was a viral video that I just loved. And it was of a father and his son. And it kind of represents um, imitation, I think, in the truest kind of um, unadulterated, just really pure way. Uh, I imagine you might have seen it, but I I want you to watch it again.
1: They need to work on that, right? Yeah. Yes. okay. Did you understand it, though? No. Yeah. No. Okay. All right. <laughs> huh? Oh, no. Not, not this one. This is the grand finale of this. Yeah, that's the last one. That's what I was wondering. I don't know what they're going to do next season because they did some stuff this time. Exactly what I was thinking. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, don't bring that in. You know what I'm saying? Don't do the same stuff. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I think that. Yeah. Yeah. Like go somewhere else with that, but don't bring it here. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's what I said. And he was like, ah, you know what I'm saying? And I was like, what in the world? But don't do it here. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. 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 <laughs> really? I thought the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> we think a lot alike, huh?
0: All right, obviously that's just incredibly adorable. <laughs> how could you not love that? But then beyond just the, the surface level kind of adorable level of that, the 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 fact that the son just is kind of imitating the father and then that the way the father just kind of engages with the son's imitation, right? And encourages it. There, there there's something about that about how we we learn from others. And I I intend to kind of come back to this passage when we get to the table later, but there's a passage from the epistle, um, not an epistle, but it's considered the epistle section of the lectionary. It's from the book of Acts. It's Acts chapter 2. And at the end of Acts chapter 2, there's a little summary about what the early church uh, did as part of their worship, like what they felt was essential, something that they practiced on a regular basis. And it mentions four things. It says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, uh, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayers. So let's think about that for a second. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Well, what were the apostles' teaching? I mean, We didn't yet have, the apostles would eventually write the New Testament. And so we might think some of what they were teaching would be what they eventually would write down. But they hadn't written that down yet. So the apostles' teaching is the earliest kind of, this is what it means to follow Christ. Like Christ had lived his life, the apostles had had followed Christ, had watched Christ, and now they were teaching, and they were teaching the early church kind of how to live like Christ. So devoting ourselves to the apostles' teaching is something that we do when we Come to church on a regular basis, when we confess the creeds when when we um, sing and pray and hear scripture read and listen to a sermon and share grace and peace and fellowship with one another and come to the table to receive to communion, and then go out and and serve our community that that is an embracing. that is us, like the early church, devoting ourselves to the apostles' teaching. The second thing it says that they devoted themselves to was fellowship. And fellowship is something that we're committed to. Whether whether it's that brief fellowship that we do during Grace and Peace, whether it's the fellowship that we do before service at breakfast, or whether it's the fellowship we do after this service at Sober Mesa, or whether it's the fellowship that we do in our small groups with our families, with our friends. Like this, This is the practice of the faith, devoting ourselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. The third thing it says they devoted themselves to is the breaking of bread. Which you might think, if they've already fellowshiped, what's the breaking of bread? Because any time we fellowship, we eat. I don't know about your house, but we hardly have any fellowship without any, some kind of food. Well, the breaking of bread was a particular kind of breaking of bread. Breaking of bread in the book of Acts is shorthand for communion. So that they regularly celebrated communion. They devoted themselves to that. To the apostles' teaching, to fellowship to communion, and then lastly, to prayers. I can't imagine having a worship service without prayers. We open with prayers, right? We have a call to worship, we read a psalm, and we pray. And we have the prayers of the people, right, that reflect uh, the scriptures and the sermon and the thought of the day, but then also open it up for people to share their prayer needs and their thanksgivings. Because you can't really practice Christianity Without prayer. And so all of these things, kind of devoting themselves to the apostles' teachings, to fellowship, to communion, or breaking of bread, and to prayers, are forms of imitation. We, we are doing the things that we have been taught to do, right? The faith has been received. This Sunday, which only comes around once every three years in the church calendar, it's kind of rare, is called Good Shepherd Sunday, And it's that day in which we kind of run into, as we're reading the Gospel of John, the Good Shepherd passage, where Jesus says, I am the Good Shepherd, and I am the door of the sheep. Um, Donnie read that passage for us today. And it also, um, that passage is always paired with the also famous Psalm 23 that says, the Lord is my shepherd. And often we think about, um, when I hear people talk about Jesus as the good shepherd, they're kind of quick to make a turn that focuses on sheep and then often the dullness of sheep. That, that sheep don't do much and that sheep are a little dense and that sheep kind of need a shepherd. And I, and I think that's fine. I think that's, there's probably some truth to that. But, but here's, here's a word for you. This might shock you. As often as sheep are referred to in Scripture... I cannot think of a singular time where it's in a negative context. Like, when it says the Lord is my shepherd, when it says Jesus says I am the good shepherd, I think what it's talking about is the goodness of God, not the dumbness of people. And I'm not saying that people sometimes aren't dumb, or that in in collective groups we often do things that aren't. But I don't think that's once. I don't think once in Scripture that's the point of the metaphor. The point of the metaphor is not about us. <laughs> that's, that's amazing. Like we're, it's, we're being told this beautiful thing about who God is and how good God is and how good God is at caring for us. And we hear that message and we think, I wonder what this is saying about me. Well, it's not saying anything about you. (laughs) That's the point. It's saying something about God. It's not something about people being dumb, because frankly, people can be pretty smart. We're kind of the smartest creatures around. We're we're pretty good at at getting things done. So the point is simply this on Good Shepherd Sunday, that we do have a good shepherd. His name is Jesus, and he has uh, lived a life, and he does care for us, And not only does he care for us, but he also sets an example for us. And I think we see that example in 1 Peter, where Peter starts to talk about our sufferings and our difficulties. Peter says, and Donnie's read us this passage earlier, but Peter says, Look, if you're suffering, it's possible because you've made some bad choices. (laughs) And sometimes when you make bad choices, you suffer the consequences of those choices. And that's just the way things are. Like sometimes people suffer because they've made they have they haven't done what's right. I hear my father's voice in my head right now, right? He always loved quoting the apostle Paul. Like, do do not be deceived whatsoever a person sows that so they will also reap. My dad said that to me once. He said it to me like a hundred thousand times uh, per year. <laughs> yeah, it was a constant constant refrain from him. So certainly that's true. And Peter says that, yeah. We get it. Sometimes we suffer and we suffer because of our own fault. But other times we suffer and it's not our fault. And and that's just true. Like life is hard, right? Sometimes accidents happen, and sometimes those accidents are like tragedies and we experience trauma and that's beyond our control. Those things can often be demonic and they, they shape us. They, 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 they seem to be, again, beyond our control. We, we can't do anything about them, right? They, they're afflicting our culture. Racism is afflicting our culture. Sexism is afflicting our culture. And it seems to be beyond our control to kind of just fix it. I'd love to fix it. I'd love to just snap my finger and just alleviate it. And we might be able to do it. We can pray you know, about it, and I think that's important. And we can do small things in our lives, but there's some things that are out of our control, and we will suffer from those. But then Peter also mentions suffering for doing good. And I haven't, haven't often suffered for doing good myself, but I know of these stories. And Peter says, When you suffer for doing good, you know you're getting close to the kind of suffering that Jesus experienced. Because Jesus also suffered for doing good. You know, getting to know someone well has something to do with being with them during difficult times. Because it's easy to be with someone when times are good, right? They got a promotion. They got a big bonus. They're saying, hey, come out to eat. It's on me. And you're like, all right, that's great. I'll be there. I'll clear my calendar, right? It's easy to celebrate with, with people when things are good. The test of friendship, the test is, when, is the test that comes when things are hard, when things aren't good. when the doctor's diagnosis is not what we wanted. when the marriage is not going well, when it's not a promotion, it's a layoff, right? When, when there's conflict. That's, that's when it's difficult. And it's at those times we really get the, the, the measurement of our, of our true selves. The, the amount to which we have been formed into the image of the Christ by the power of the Spirit. We know this because Christ suffered. And in our sufferings we can know Christ more. There's one particular passage Out of that first Peter that Donnie read for us, it's that mentioned when he was afflicted, when he was beaten, when he was crucified, he did not answer a word in return, nor did he uh, respond in retaliation. This kind of nonviolent, turn the other cheek, um, non-retaliatory way of being in the world is quintessential to following Christ. Like, that's the imitation that we should be after. Like, Jesus tells us to turn the other cheek. And we could all say, beautiful, ideal, (laughs) right? But show me what that looks like. What does that look like in a three-dimensional world? What does it look like in real life? I'll tell you what it looks like in real life. For the Lord God Almighty... To be beaten and to be crucified, and for him not to respond with destruction. That's what it looks like. The cross of Christ is the ultimate example of turning the other cheek. Because on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Now that's an example worth following. That's something worth imitating. And on Good Shepherd Sunday, My message for us is this, yes, we have a good shepherd, but our good shepherd has set us an example about how to live, and we should live that way. You see, the the psalmist is this beautiful psalm, and we all know it well, but in some ways maybe we know it better than we think we do, (laughs) because it starts like times are good, It starts like when someone's gotten the promotion or the bonus, right? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me lie down in the green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. Times are good. It's how I like to talk about the Lord when times are good. And if I've got that good shepherd and times are so good, we can expect the future to also be good, right? Yes. And the next line is, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Well, how did I get there? I thought I was in green pastures and still waters. Where's all this shadow of death stuff coming from? i tell you where it's coming from. Our shepherd has led us there. We have a good shepherd. And if we follow him, we will follow him on the Via Della Rosa. We will follow him on the way of suffering. We will follow him into the valley of the shadow of death Because that's where he leads us. Because where is our good shepherd going to go except to the ones who need him the most? The ones who are sick and the ones who are hurting and the ones who are outcast. And if you want to be with Christ, you have to be prepared to be with those who need Christ. If all you want is still waters and green pastures, you you don't get that very long. Not with following Christ you don't. And isn't it interesting, and we'll come here in just a minute, but that psalm ends at the table. The same way every service at Oasis ends. Because we come out on the other side of the valley of the shadow of death. And we find out that the Lord has prepared for us a table. But if we're, there's different ways, of course, in which we can read this. And I've talked about this before in the past. It's worth repeating today on Good Shepherd Sunday. We could read that, that the Lord has prepared uh, before me a table um, uh, for my enemies. The Lord has prepared, uh, is that it? Before me a table for my enemies? In the presence of my enemies? Uh, The Lord has prepared before me a table in the presence of my enemies. The question comes, who's the table for? So we could read that, right? Like the table's for me, and I get to eat, my enemies have to watch. Which would be a really odd scenario. Like, everybody else, watch this. I'm going to eat this big steak. Hope you enjoy. (laughs) I know, pretty funny, right? I mean, it's funny enough that you thought that might have given us a pause to not interpret it that way anymore. But if if he's prepared before me a table in the presence of my enemies... Maybe what he's done is prepared a table for my enemies to eat at, and I get to serve them. I really get to follow my shepherd. I get to be like the Lord. I, get, like, I get, get to be like the one who, while he was being crucified, said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. The one who said, you have heard it said, love your neighbor, but I say to you, love your enemy and we get to come and not just be served but we get to serve which again makes us like the Christ which is what Christian of course means right being like Christ and i love that song that we sang that i mean i love them all but that last song it's about the faithfulness of the lord and how long the lord has been faithful It brings me to tears every time. Like every time we sing it, I can't but help but turn my head and look around this room. And I know many of your stories. And I know that the Lord has been faithful to you. And that you have been faithful to the Lord. The passage ends, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And again, the two ways in which that can be read. It means that we're blessed, right? That goodness and mercy are, are blessing us continually. But then I think it also means this, because we've become like our shepherd. We have imitated Christ. We have devoted ourselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. So that the same way that the Spirit formed Christ and Mary, the Spirit now forms us into the image of Christ. And that our lives are such that everywhere we go goodness and mercy is being shared. So it's following us because it's in our wake. It's following us because we have finally listened to the voice of the shepherd. John tells us that that the sheep know the shepherd's voice. And this, this my friends, has to do with that. Knowing Christ, not simply as Savior, but knowing him as Lord. Surrendering our lives to him so that we become like him. The good shepherd. Imitating Christ. And it starts in simple ways. The same way that little baby is imitating his father as they watch TV together. Yeah, and his dad's like, yeah, that's exactly right. I was thinking the same thing. I think that's almost word for word what happens in our prayers with God sometimes. We're trying to pray. We can't quite get it out. And God's like, yeah, I was thinking the same thing, buddy. Keep praying. Keep loving. Stay right here by me. We'll get through this. We'll be better. May we all imitate Christ. We hope you were blessed by today's podcast. If you liked what you heard and want to support us, you can do so by subscribing wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can leave us a review on iTunes, and if you want to contribute to Oasis financially, you can go to oasischurch.org. May the Lord bless you and keep you, and may God's face shine upon you and give you peace. Amen.